0: everybody welcome to another episode of like a street photography collective i'm ricky and today's guest is chris masmanian i hope i did get that right i've been practicing in my head for a little bit of time we've been talking to each other so please oh first thank you once again for taking the time out of your day giving the listener something to listen to but now please introduce yourself where you're at where you've been what you do anything you'd like the world to know
1: Hey, Ricky. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me on the show. I've been a listener for a couple of years now. and I really enjoy it. Um, I'm always, I'm always interested to hear other people's stories about their photography and things like that. And when I messaged you, I was like, maybe I can, you know, I, I take pictures and I, I do this kind of thing too. Maybe I can be on this show. So I'm in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I've been shooting for quite a number of years now. Um, really. I started when I was like 15 and I'm, Almost 36 now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I took a pretty long hiatus in the middle there. Um, What else can I say? I have two kids. You can probably hear it in the background. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) they're my big... uh, My main subject when I'm not out in the street doing uh, what I love.
2: Yeah.
0: So, first, you are correct. All you have to do is take photos to qualify to be a guest on the podcast. So, there was always... um, stigma about people thinking there's like major qualifications to be a part of the podcast and whatnot. And I always had to Mm -hmm. explain to them, like, no, it's just a conversation about photography. If you take photos, you're like the perfect subject to speak to. And I think a lot of more people are starting to see that and they are more open to agreed to record with me, as opposed to when I first started, it was really difficult to schedule people, and now I'm losing track of all of the people I'm scheduling, and I uh, I, I gotta do better, and yeah, <laughs> so, but here we are, we've been waiting for a little while to record this, so uh, yeah, like I said, thank you, appreciate it, but what do you do out there in Baltimore?
1: What do I do? Is uh, I work in D.C. primarily right now. I'm an operations director, director, excuse me. And um, so that's been pretty cool to get like two different cities. Uh, you know, I get to walk around D.C. a little bit. I get to walk around Baltimore when I have time. Other than that, you know, it's summertime. I go down to the beach a lot. The beach here is um, called Fenwick Island, mm-hmm. which is down in Delaware. Um, that's how we spend a lot of our summertime. You know, I like to get outside as much as possible, and you know, go hiking and biking, and just hang out with my kids. And uh, you know, the main thing is just try to get out and photograph as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I do some commercial work uh, uh, as well as you know all my stuff I do for fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so you walk around DC. Have you bumped into Craig Clark by any chance?
1: We've talked. Uh, we talk on on Instagram all the time, and. Uh, After hearing his interview with you, I was like, man, I can do this too. Yeah. His work is really, really amazing. And we do, we have very similar styles. Um, We haven't actually met in person yet, which is really funny. But uh, we talk on Instagram all the time about, you know, gear and places to shoot. And, you know, we send each other our pictures before we post anything and and stuff like that. Um, He seems like a great guy. And one day we'll meet in person.
0: Yeah. He's a great guy. I speak to him every now and then. He was an awesome guest on the show, good friend, amazing guy, like you said, love his work, and he's just one yeah. of those guys, whenever I see it pop up, I'm like, oh, that's a Craig Clark, you already know.
1: You know, you know it immediately, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know it immediately, I know I do too, I was I was even looking at um, LFI Magazine um, a couple of weeks ago, and before I even read the description, I saw his picture, I said, I know that picture, I know that guy, yeah. And he was, you know, he's in, he's featured in the back of the LFI magazine. Oh, nice! I didn't know that. I don't
0: really. Yeah, yeah. I don't pay attention to the LFI magazine publications as much as I should. I should start uploading more. i I stopped a long time ago.
1: Did you? I, I'm always trying to get in the magazine because my I got it for a birthday or Christmas present last year, mm-hmm. and uh, it's nice to have a ma- like a physical magazine brought to your door. You know, every every month, it's pretty yeah. cool. Um, and I'm waiting for my my pictures to get in there, but nothing, nothing yet. I got a couple master shots and that kind of thing, but nothing that's made publication.
0: I got one master shot and I think that's kind of around the time I stopped uploading. <laughs> I don't know. like I posted a whole bunch of photos, some film, some digital, and I think I posted like one in color. And it was a sunset. It was a silhouette of two people taking a picture of the sunset. Not really a a master shot, I would say. But they said it was a master shot. But I did it more as a social experiment. Because at that time, myself and a few other photographer friends, we started kind of seeing like they were picking weird Photos. I wouldn't say weird. Weird's a bad choice of words for that. They were selecting some unusual photos as master shots. And, you know, it's all subjective to the viewer. But me and my group were like, why is that a master? I couldn't understand it. So I was just practicing some social experiments. And I've uploaded, at that time, some of my favorite... Oh, shit. Some of my favorite black and white photos and then I uploaded one single color photo, which that was it. And that was the only photo that got a master shot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm I'm curious, like who picks what, you know, if it's a certain day where, you know, this person mm-hmm. this editors behind picking what or whatever. Yeah. I got lucky, like the first the first batch of pictures that I that I sent to them, I got a master shot like, right away and it was it blew my mind. I was yeah. like you know, I was walking on a cloud and then I was like, well, that was easy, you know, and I kept on doing it and <laughs> it was a long time before I got another one. I still can't figure out how they pick what they think is, you know, a master shot or a good portrait or street photography or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think I need to find out who the editor is. I know some people who know some people, so I'm going to start <laughs> asking around and I think I'm going to try to have them on the, the show and, and we'll get some answers, some clarity See how and why. But another kind of situation, similar, was I did uh, it was for the Leica, the LHSA. They had a contest Mm -hmm. and like the winner wins an M10R and or like a a 50 millimeter sumo lens. It was something like that. Anyways. So me and some friends we all submitted, we paid the entry fees, whatever, whatever. And they selected a very amazing photographer. Not I'm not disagreeing with their their selection, but it was kind of like an unfair advantage. Right? So it's like <laughs> your kids playing basketball with Michael Jordan in his prime. Like
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs> like there's Dr. Strange mathematical equations, one in 50 million chance of winning with some kind of alternate universe and uh, Thanos snap of winning the LHSA photo contest. I, I looked her up and I saw like all of the accolades this particular person won. She was like super published in like every publication in the world. And, oh, man. yeah, it was, like, virtually impossible. Like, how do you compete against this? Needless to say, that kind of, uh, i thinking of the words. Turned you off a little bit. Yeah, for, like, contests and stuff. And I know I'm not going to win every single one of them, but, and I, I guess it's fair. But, yeah, I didn't think that was kind of a, a, a good move. Like, this person's way up there. But congratulations right. to the winner. I forgot her name. To say, <laughs> you can Google search her. She'll, she'll come up. But great work. Great photographer. Anyways, let's get back to you. Sorry for the long side tangent introduction. But you mentioned you were about 15 years old when you got into photography. So please tell us about that. When you did start, what kind of photos you were making?
1: Yeah. Um. So when I started, I think it was, I don't even know if digital was a thing or if it was, it was at its, its infancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like 15 and I know that I wanted a, uh, a camera for my birthday. And I remember getting, you know, a little Canon. Actually, I still have it. I don't remember the exact model of it, the Canon, whatever, just a pretty basic, but fully um, manual, you know, you can do all the manual stuff and you can put it on auto too. And uh, I remember taking like maybe three or four rolls of film and shooting through them, I took it to, I remember the one picture I really, really like, I took a picture of my cousin uh, surfing down in North Carolina, and I shot it in black and white, because I felt black and white, was really cool. And that was the only picture I remember taking, other than of like a basketball hoop, at maybe at dusk, you know, I knew nothing about anything, I didn't know anything about lighting, composition. Uh, you know, what, what makes an interesting picture. I didn't know what makes a good subject, any of that kind of stuff. So naturally I put it down for, (laughs) I don't know, until I was in my mid twenties Mm -hmm. and, um, I gave that camera away and to a family member of mine. And, um, what really got me back into it was I got into, um, to photographing when I was traveling. I decided when I was like 26, I think, um, 27 to drop my job, uh, sell all the belongings that I had, my car, everything I could, um, you know, let the lease go on my apartment and I traveled around the world for like a, a year and a half.
0: Oh, I thought so you I brought were going little... to you bought a Leica. I was going to say, you did all that for
2: MC.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was homeless, and I had my Leica. Now, Leica would come later, of course. But now I, I dropped everything, and I quit my job and all that kind of good stuff. And I brought as minimal things with me as possible. I brought the tiniest little backpack. Couldn't even believe that I lived out of it for a year and a half. Wow. And um, I got a little, I, could, I did a lot of research about, like, what camera should I bring? cause this was back when cell phone cameras weren't great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty good now, but they were pretty crappy back then. Oh yeah. Um, so I bought a little Canon S 120 which was cool cause it had, it was a point and shoot, it had a zoom lens and, um, but it still had all manual functions. So when I was ready, I could turn it off auto and learn a little bit about, you know, um, shutter speed and different, uh, uh apertures and things like that. Um, so that was, that's what really got me into it. You know, I, obviously I traveled for, like I said, like 18 months and I got to go to, I went to almost 30 countries and, uh, I got to take some really, really cool pictures. Some of, some of my favorite ones I've, I've taken and uh, all with this little point and shoot, you know, so sometimes the gear does, doesn't matter. And, uh, and that's what really got me into it. And I started meeting people along the way that were shooting, um, with, you know, bigger, crazier, you know. Cameras. This is when like the Sony A7 series is really getting popular. I saw a lot of those out there. Started just talking to people that were taking pictures and asked them questions. And you know, would look up look stuff up on YouTube and like, how do I take a long exposure shot? I had no idea how to do that. How do I get a blurry background when I'm taking a portrait? I had no idea how to do that. You know, I was I was editing on the windows like photo editor program. Yeah. And I remember a friend was like, have you ever heard of Lightroom? It's actually really, really helpful. Um, so that's how, you know, that's, that's how uh, it evolved. And when I came back home, things just got, you know, yeah. even more and more, uh, involved for me.
0: I think Boca is probably like the most searched first technique for photographers. <laughs> gotta have that blurry right, background. Yeah. I'm not gonna right, lie. Right, that right. was that was me. I didn't know it like you. I didn't know anything about a bokeh, but I loved it. I was like, why? Why is everything <laughs> out of focus in the back? It's it's so beautiful, and it's just it looks so
1: good, yeah. yeah,
0: it's just something about bokeh that everybody loves. I don't get it. Psychological. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 a very appealing look. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I don't know. Boca. Hey, I,
1: I still love it. I still shoot wide open when I can, so I can yeah. so I can get that nice bokeh. Because yeah.
0: we can. Because why not?
1: Yeah, and now I know how to do it properly. So, yeah, you know,
0: if we weren't the supposed to do it, it, then they wouldn't have it.
2: Right, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Sumo> Lexus. Anyway, <laughs> mm, I was going to ask a question. Thirty countries. There we go. Which one was your favorite? Which one was your least
1: favorite? Um, yeah. Least favorite. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to upset anybody, but Albania is where I had the, worst, uh, the least. My least was my least favorite, and where I had the worst time. I got really, really sick. If you want to hear a quick story, sure. Really, really, really. Sick. Uh, I. I think I drank the water there, and I wasn't supposed to. Mm. And then I ended up. I ended up um, getting on a bus with. Uh, a girl, who's now my wife. At the you know she was just a just a friend of mine at the time, but now she's my wife. Oh, we ended question. up getting on a bus. Thank you, thank you. Wait, wait, wait! Um, I, don't to to getting- <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt. <laughs> so, I don't mean to interrupt.
0: So, I hope I'm getting this right. Did you meet your wife in Albania?
1: No, oh, no, okay, no. I met her back at home. Okay. I met her back at home. We have like a cool story, right? I met her back at home. Hadn't seen her in years. And we were both traveling to Europe around the same time. So I messaged her on Facebook and I said, hey, let's meet up. And we hadn't seen each other in like eight or 10 years. You know, we went to school together, high school and middle school. And we met back up in Morocco, actually. And uh, she was with a group of her friends. I was traveling solo. And we ended up traveling together for the next three months because, you know, there was something there. And we really liked yeah. each other.
0: Okay. Well, it's, it, it worked out. So I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I asked because <laughs> you had mentioned it was your least favorite part of the trip. And if she hears this later and you would have met together in Albania, then it kinda you probably would have been sleeping <laughs> on the couch. So that that was the only reason why. But oh, I I'm sorry No, no, You
2: good got, clear, you drink some water,
0: person. you got poisoned, stagnant water, we'll do that to you. Now you're on the bus. Uh-huh. Let's go from there.
1: I'm on a bus overnight throughout the mountains, overnight bus, and we were the only tourists on the bus, I swear. And, uh, they had to pull over so many times because I was throwing up literally into like a plastic grocery bag over and over and over again. And I had to, they just, he wouldn't stop for me for a second. He's flying down the mountain, you know, however fast he can possibly go. And, uh, it it was awful. I ended up, you know, getting somewhere at three o'clock in the morning and just, you know, it was six, six, six. So that was one of the worst experiences I've had. Albania was not my best friend.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I think I, the first one that comes to mind for my favorite is always New Zealand. Mm. New Zealand was one of the most beautiful laid back, just really, really exciting places. Yeah. I mean, everywhere I went, I got to, I got to go see the whole country, North and South Ireland. you know, I did it by, um, Renting a van and living in the van for the, the well, how long was I there? A Month, two months. Um, so I drove around the whole country and you know camped in random places, and it was it was fantastic. It was really really beautiful.
0: Yeah, you kind of sound like a a Netflix movie of just a world traveler.
1: <laughs> in my old life, I was yep. yeah. Because
0: these are like stories you never. You'd never meet people who've actually done it, and here I am talking to someone who's actually done it. Like, to sell all all your worldly possessions and and go experience the world, that's pretty cool.
1: It was really cool. It it made a big impact on my life. And I actually, I've been where you are. I've been to Okinawa. I've been to Naha. And uh, I actually went to a little island called Zanami, if you've ever heard of it. Mm -hmm.
0: I have. I've not been there, though. I have I have not been to any of the surrounding islands that you need a boat or plane to go to, and I've been here for ten years, <laughs>
1: eleven. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's awesome. Well, Naha is really cool, but I had a great week in in that little that little island, uh, Samami. So I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. I went on the off season, and I think there was maybe fifty people on the whole island. It was so small. <laughs>
0: depending, on, depending on the time of year and and what year you did come, it was probably fifty people in Okinawa.
1: <laughs> nah, there was, a, there was a few more. There was a few more. Naha was always popping.
0: And now there's like twenty thousand military people here. So,
1: yeah. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I saw them.
0: What year did you come yeah. by chance?
1: I was there in. 15 uh 2015 2016 that's uh, when i was traveling so yeah. i was yeah i was in japan at the end of 2015
0: okay yeah i was still here actually so we were in okinawa at the same time
1: that's awesome that's cool. Small <laughs> that's world. Really cool. yeah it is it is yeah i really liked it there really really fond memories of japan in, in general
0: yeah it's awesome any plans on returning
1: I, I went. We went back for our honeymoon, actually, um, four years ago. We got married, and we went to to um, uh, the Philippines, and then we spent a week in Tokyo. Nice. And that was that was an awesome, awesome, awesome time. So taking taking my wife there, you know, she's a big mm-hmm. fashion person, and she loves good food just like I do. So we had a blast. That's awesome. And of course, I had I had I actually bought a um, a wide lens. I had bought a 28. I had an X100F at the time. And, of course, I took it for the whole trip and, you know, got some really, really great pictures. But I remember being in, in Tokyo and having to go to, like, maps camera store and getting the 28 mil uh, uh, attachment for it. Because, Tokyo, you just, you needed more space. You know, everything's so yeah. cramped. And so, there's just so much. So, I, 35 wasn't something that I had to get to. The 28 back then.
0: Yeah, Map camera's still there. And every time I go to Tokyo, I always pop in to see... What kind of deals they have?
1: Oh yeah, it was great. I loved it.
0: Yeah. So you said you you had like a little point and shoot camera during your travels. Yes.
1: Yeah. How? Yeah, did, Canon S one twenty.
0: Yeah. How did that camera and photography experience contribute to your photography? Like, how did Trying to think of how to word the question. How did it impact you?
1: It was a huge influence on me, a huge impact, had a huge impact on me. Um, Having a little point and shoot that I could literally just take out of my backpack really quick, take a shot, and, you know, it would be in focus because it was, you know, it was an easy little point and shoot. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't know about any settings back then. So it was, it was really just like finding beautiful moments and taking the picture, you know, finding interesting people. Um, you know, I even like learned to go up and talk to a couple people and even with the language barrier, I still got some really cool shots of uh, some very interesting people all around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was a huge, huge impact. It really, you know, I had never before that I'd never really known what like, what my hobbies were. You know, I had a bunch of different hobbies, skating, biking, you know, whatever, um, reading and things like that. But like to be a participant in my own hobby, you know, I can't just reading is a hobby, but you know, you're just sitting there, but to actually make something and to make an image, um, that was really special for me. And that's when I really learned that that was, what was going to be probably my lifelong passion. And so far it has been, you know, we're in 2023 and I haven't, I haven't stopped. I haven't even slowed down. I've, I've gone full bore into photography. Um, so that really ignited my passion for photography, you know, being able to see all these beautiful, beautiful things in all these countries, you know, um, it, it it really, it really, it changed me. It changed me totally. Mm -hmm. Um, but saying that it was really hard to come back home to Baltimore after going to all these different countries and try to find something interesting to photograph in my own country <laughs> in my own town. I had a really hard time when I came back and uh and you know that's a whole as a whole other part of the story
0: okay so for your entire travels which which one is your most favorite photo you took? You only can pick one. Uh,
2: yeah,
1: just that's one. easy. I, I have I have my favorite picture. You can see it is it, a picture of a, a boy flying a kite. It's right here. All right, I'll tell the story since nobody going to be able to see it. I was on top of a um, what was it? It was it was in New Delhi, India. It was on top. I was on top of a like fortress or something like that. And the sun was setting and the sky was just this brilliant, like orangey yellow. That was unbelievable. And, you know, with all the smog and pollution there, it's just, it's otherworldly. I've never seen a sky like that anywhere. And, uh, I looked over and luckily I had this little zoom lens because there was a, there was a boy flying a kite on a rooftop. Um, and he had two, like the, the, the building went up on, on either side of him. So he was a little um, kind of framed in this and he had this one particular um, pose that he was doing and I got it. I took about three or four pictures and this one picture was just, it was just his silhouette with, this, with the uh, sunset going in the background and you can see the kite. You can't see the string, but you can see the kite mm-hmm. and the, uh, and the boy in this beautiful pose. And that has been one of my top pictures ever.
0: Yeah. Sounds like you got like a Leica master shot there. <laughs> I did. If I took it on a like, I
2: definitely yeah. turn
0: it in. They'll somehow look at the film negative and then, this is in Sumacron glass.
2: <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm.
0: scientists over there. That's cool. That's a, that's a cool story. Yeah. Is that on your Instagram? That photo.
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't think it is actually. It's on my website, for sure. Okay. Uh, I have a website, which is just a name, you know. But uh, it's, I think my Instagram is just for most my most recent stuff. Mm.
0: Well, I was trying to wait till later before we introduced your socials, but since we already started talking Instagram and websites, uh, let's knock out your <laughs> socials now, and that way the listeners <laughs> can see your work and that photo you just referenced.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you want to see uh, my website, which is geared more t- towards the commercial side of my work, mm-hmm. um, it's just my name, Chris dot Chris com, and my Instagram, which is geared towards my what I'm doing now um, with photography, which is portraits of strangers. Um, that's just cmanian C M A Z M A N I A N, Masmanian.
0: Yeah, I will definitely get all of those links included into the show notes once I upload this and people have easy access. So thanks for that. I would now like to know, did by any chance, I'm trying now to to get kind of into your street photography. uh, Yeah, yeah. Did the traveling kind of inspire you to start shooting street photography as opposed to like landscapes? When did street photography come into play?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Uh, It definitely started when I was traveling because, you know, all day, every day I was just walking, you know, and I'd either be in big cities, small cities, little towns, whatever. And I, uh, I learned early to never leave without my camera. I mean, that thing was on me at all times. And I think that's one of the most important rules of, of street photography and just photography in general is just always have the camera on me. Um, so that was definitely a big one. And when I came home, I didn't really understand how to shoot the streets in Baltimore at first. I had my digital camera and I wasn't too... I bought a new camera you know, when I came home from my travels and I was... Um, I wasn't happy with the results Thing. obviously I wasn't shooting you know really interesting people in the middle of you know Tokyo or whatever mm-hmm. so I had to like really figure it out and I got into film um, several years ago so I, 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 I saw the uh, documentary about Vivian Meyer you know when it first came out and that really got me into street streets um, that was like I wanted to be that I wanted to do that I loved her work and I still do and that was a huge influence on me. Um, so seeing that I went out and my first film camera was a TLR was a, was um, you know twin lens. And so I shot, I went straight to medium format. I never got a 35, you know, for a while. And I have a really like pivotal moment in Baltimore. When I went out, I went out on this pretty sketchy block that we have, it's called the Baltimore block uh, for all the strip clubs and all this, nasty stuff's always happening. It's a pretty gross area, but I went <laughs> in the middle of the day just to see what was going on. I'm
0: glad you clarified that because you said strip clubs, and I was like, oh, that sounds like a very nice location. And then you said nasty stuff. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm glad I didn't say that.
1: No, no, no. Baltimore's not known for its, like, nicest streets, and this is just not one of them. It's, it's also adjacent to a police station, which is really funny about all this stuff that happens there. But yeah. um, anyway, I was I was walking behind the woman and she had a guy next to her and everything and I had my TLR and I was about to take a picture because I really liked how the light was coming in through the buildings, and um, you know it was coming in through the bottom of her dress and she turned around just as I was hitting the shutter button so I got her face instead of just the back of her which would have been you know a pretty boring image Um, you know especially since I didn't know how to expose properly I went I went in full force into the film without really understanding much about exposure Mm -hmm um that kind of thing you
0: were shooting that, and of course hard, you know it's all i want bokeh from this.
1: i probably was yeah <laughs> i probably was i have no idea i didn't have a meter a light meter with me or anything i was just metering off of what i thought would be best maybe i was using i don't know what i was using but she turned around at the last second to notice what i was doing i snapped the picture and it turned out to be a really great picture and i got really nervous I like, oh shit she, you know i'm found out i'm done yeah. And the guy next to her looked really pissed off. But I, it ended up being um, a really pivotal moment, like I said, because I went up to her and I explained to her what I was doing and what I liked about the, the scene that was happening. And she said, oh, okay, that's cool. And then I asked her something that like, I have no idea. It, it just came out. I didn't even mm-hmm. think about it. I just said, hey, can I take, can I take like a portrait of you, a close up portrait of you? And she said, sure. Yeah. you Craig Clark, And that man. was it. That was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And before I even knew that, before I even had an Instagram, any of that stuff. So I, I, I was just going on, you know, what I was seeing in books and, and stuff like that. But, um, so she let me take a portrait and I was hooked. I was instantly hooked. And that CLR went out, went out with me everywhere for the next like two years, probably. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, I shot a lot of medium format film. Um, I still love the the format, but. The process is, is just too slow for me now. I re- I really like uh, yeah. I really like having digital these days. So you are not lying.
0: You went full Vivian Meyer <laughs> with the TLR and everything.
1: I wanted the Roly like she had, but I didn't have the money for it back then. The
0: the that's so but, weird. Like Roly was like the standard. It was pretty much the like of TLRs. And sure. They were, I don't know, I would like to think that their cost was really low, unless you got like their professional grade ones, but now that like film and all these old vintage analog cameras are so expensive now, it's like, you could buy a digital Lyco for the cost of these film cameras.
1: Yeah, just about. And especially when you factor in the cost of film and then processing and all that good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the process a lot, uh, especially because I was shooting mostly black and white, and I, um, I would process my own black and white film, and I bought a film scanner and all that good stuff. So I got to do the whole image, you know, the whole process from beginning to end, at least with black and white um, on my own. It was really cool.
0: I, I'm not sure, but I, I wish, I hope, I pray that. Somewhere in the world, there's a six by seven TLR. I don't know. For me, I think all TLRs (laughs) are six by six. But I I think they are too. I have a Yashica mat, which is super tiny. It's probably about as big as my iPhone when it comes to like size. And super fun to use. I I do enjoy it, and my coworker back when I lived in England, he had a Yashica, mat, and that's kind of the reason why I bought one because I thought it was so cool. He was showing me like the waist level finder, and I was like, "Man, that's the coolest thing ever!" So I had I had to have one, and oh, yeah. I got it, and I really do like shooting with it whenever I do use it, but the square image for some reason it just gets so smushed and. Yeah. I'm 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 not a fan of the negative size. That's pretty much my only negative thing to say about a TLR. Other than that, it's fun and I like how the image is reversed when you look through the viewfinder.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. It definitely took some getting used to because of that. Mm -hmm. And anytime I try to give my camera to somebody else, they were they were Pointing it at the ground and up at the sky instead of because you know, it's, it's so much, it's, it's not so intuitive uh, until you really get a hang of it. But um, I love the TLR. I, I still have two of them right now, even though my film just sits in my fridge waiting to be used.
0: Nice. I would also say, and this is proven for me. I can't say this is true for everyone else, but the TLR is the most high percentage camera that I have for icebreakers. So what I mean by that is more yep. people will approach me to talk about my TLR camera than any other camera. My second would be the Leica the first question they ask, is that a film camera? Is that a film camera? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: Yeah, yeah you're you're absolutely right. It's
0: pretty cool. TLRs.
1: That's that's I think what how, how I got over my mm-hmm. my shyness in talking to people about um, talking to people about getting their picture because you know you ha- you sh- you have one of those CLRs, especially older older folks that you know you're shooting a camera from the yeah. 50s or the 60s, and they look at that and they're like, "And you and you still shoot film?" Yeah. And uh, you know, several years ago, you know, film was still getting big, but not as big as it is now. I don't think. Um, but that's that's what really got me over my shyness is being able to just you know having that talking piece icebreaker. you you got it. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. And then yeah, of course, Lyco. If anybody knows anything about cameras, then that's a pretty big icebreaker too. <laughs> yeah. You can't
0: be a creeper if you're walking around the streets with a TLR. Everybody sees no,
1: you.
2: No, yeah.
0: I think <laughs> he's a legit photographer. He's got the creeper camera. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Right. Right.
2: right. Yeah.
0: <sighs> All right. So we got some some really good information how Vivian Meyer inspires you and you actually followed in her footsteps a little, how did she kind of influence your street photography now? How has it evolved from when you started to where you're at now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, so when I started, I wasn't really sure, like what my style was going to be or what I wanted to do. If I wanted to do just black and white, just color, a mix of both, Um, you know, what I really liked. So I was playing around a lot, you know, I I never did like landscapes. I tried to do, you know, just scenes, like just walking around, walking around town and just trying to find scenes or find interesting characters, um, you know, that were telling a story. Um, I didn't, I, I, it took me a long time to understand light and composition, especially with the six by six composition is kind of weird on that. And so I didn't really get to that until I, I switched back over to digital. Um, and I had that X100F I was talking about earlier, which made it really difficult for me to go up to people and talk to them. Mm-hmm. But I felt also totally invisible with that camera. So I could get really close to people and just take a quick snap. And, uh, I, I, I used to think that was the best camera I could, I could ever imagine. Um, and that really helped me out with finding scenes, finding that I, my focal length that I like that really, I love 35. Um, I like having the ability to, you know, to have a, a nice shallow depth of field if I want it, you know, with that F2 lens or, you know, um, shooting at night, make that, that, that lens makes it easier to shoot in the evening the time and at night. You get, you know, some good light in there, but I don't know. I just kept on shooting. You know, I went, I took it everywhere. Um, since I, uh, you know, since I started the the street photography thing, I actually went to a lot of different countries after my big long travel. You know, I got to go to Cuba. Like I said, I went back to Japan, to Colombia, and a couple other places, Mexico, and my camera always came with me. And so I really just got to learn how to shoot in any kind of situation I was in, you know, just trying to find cool scenes that I like interesting people as always. And, um, and now it's evolved to be a little bit more different. I, I'm a lot slower. I don't take as many pictures. And what I like is to try to find people that are, that can tell a story in a picture. Um, I really, you know, my, my goal eventually is to like, publish a book. I have no idea how to do that, but I hope one day I'll be able to publish a book with, with all my portraits I've taken. And now I've, I've gone almost strictly to portraits. Okay. Um, I still do some more street stuff, but my portraits, just like Craig Clark says, you know, we, we go up to strangers. I go up to strangers and, uh, and ask them if I can take their picture, you know, take a portrait of them. And almost always they say, yes, you know, and I have a good smile on my face and, I don't look like a total creeper, like we were talking about earlier. And um, and and if I can, you know, a lot of times they smile and I say, no, 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 you know, don't smile. I just want to take a picture of you and like tell a story with this image. Um, and normally I talk to them for a few minutes and we kind of get to know each other for a second. And a lot of times the first picture I take is not very good. Um, it's okay, but I'm, I'm still thinking about the composition. I'm still thinking about a good angle. I just met this person, so I don't have their full trust yet, but very quickly after talking to them for a few minutes, I can, I see them do, you know, we're talking and we're naturally being natural. So my camera's down around my you know, hanging on my, on my uh, strap. And I see them do something that I see as a picture. Um, you know, I took a picture of this skateboarder in DC, uh, a couple of, weeks ago and he was trying to land this trick forever and ever and ever and I just sat there for like 15 minutes watching him skate and I wasn't taking any pictures and that's something I've learned is just to like you know sometimes put the camera down and just watch the scene see what's going on and I watched him and he finally landed his trick and he was you know he was excited about it but um I asked him you know just as he was leaving I said hey can I take your portrait and he was doing this, this kind of, this kind of thing. You can see what I'm doing, he's putting his hands behind his head and, um, you know, with his, his fingers interlocked. And I said, that, that's what I want you to do. And he did it for me. And it's one of my favorite pictures I've taken in the past couple of years. There's this, this look on his face of like determination of I did it, but I'm still just, you know, he's got sweat rolling down his face and everything. And, um, that's the kind of images I'm trying to take these days. I'm trying to take something that tells a story. Even if you don't know the story before you see the picture, uh, I want, I want, you know, you can come up with your own story, whatever happened, but I want it to be something interesting, something that can stand alone, but also be in a series of pictures. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my, my style has definitely changed quite a bit. Um, I think, I know you don't like to talk about gear, but the gear I think makes a difference. You know, shooting a TLR is very different than shooting, you know, like an M10. Um, so you, you you take things differently. You're focusing differently. You're, you're doing things like that. So you mm-hmm. know, it's all it's all it's all involved. Um, you the know, gear and and how it makes you feel. Yeah, it does. It does play a part. So. Oh, so yeah, now I just I I really like uh I really I, I didn't get on Instagram until the last year, maybe the year before. Um, I'm very against it, but now I really love it to see what other people are producing. Uh, cause I don't always have time to look through my books and I have a million photo books. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't always have time. So to get my inspiration, you know, I like to look at other, other people's work and see what they're doing. And I think that, uh, you know, I fought it for so long, but now I really enjoy looking at Instagram to, uh, to see what people are doing and just to get ideas and just to see how you know, shots are taken and things like that. So that's a big influence on me now.
0: So at what point would you say you felt where you needed to, as you said, take less photos? You were okay with just experiencing the scene, the moment, and kind of be more controlled with your subject matters as far as what you want to take pictures of?
1: I think I've ebbed and flowed with this from going from digital to film or from film to digital rather, because when I was shooting with the TLR, you know, you only get 12 pictures per roll. Mm -hmm. So I would go out and sometimes I would only take two pictures. And I'd be out for two, three, four hours. Sometimes I'd take two rolls. Sometimes, you know, it was always different. Um, So, I don't know. It's hard to to describe. You know, when I went to digital, I think I went from taking very few pictures to taking a whole lot, taking many, many, many pictures, just like, you know, I'll get a good one if I take a whole bunch of them. Mm. Um, And now I've had to reel that back. And, And using manual focus cameras definitely makes that, um, you know, it makes you go slower. So now, you know, sometimes my first picture is the best one. Sometimes I'll take three or four pictures of the subject. And the first one is it. Uh, sometimes it's the fourth one. So, you know, I've had to learn by trial and error because sometimes the first one, their eyes are closed and it ruins the whole picture. And I only took one picture, but like the one, the guy with the skateboard the other day, you know, I could see that that was going to be an amazing picture from the start. I only had to take one shot of him. I knew I was properly exposed and, and framed and everything and uh and that was it you know that was i knew i only needed one so having to not come home and edit four thousand pictures after going out for a couple hours is really really nice (laughs) having only to edit a few is is even is uh, really the way i like to go Uh, because i do enjoy the editing process but you know you can get pretty bogged down in that if you've got so many shots
0: yeah were you a bulk shooter when you first started
1: a bulk shooter.
0: Yeah. 4,000 photos in an hour kind of bulk shooting. <laughs> no, I
1: know. I would, I was definitely exaggerating. No, no, no. I mean, when I first started, I, I definitely shot a lot more. I mean, shooting the same picture of the same scene or the mm-hmm. same subject. Yeah. And, you know, cause just like, you know, when we shoot with our phones, like why not? It's digital. You're not, you know, it's, it, you can shoot as many as you want. So I really had to yeah. take it down a notch. Um, from when I went, you know, like I said, from, from film to digital and I stayed with digital for the past few years now. Um, I, the number of pictures I take when I'm actually out, it can be zero. Yeah. Sometimes I don't take a single picture. Um, but you know, I, I try not to worry about it too much. I just take what I see. And I also like to experiment. So sometimes I'm experimenting, you know, with different shutter speeds or apertures or whatever to try to get uh, to something. I, and I could get home and I hate all the pictures and I took, you know, 50 pictures that day, and they're all terrible. Yeah. You never know. Yep.
0: So some things you said, I'm glad you did, but you said, oh, how did you say it? Sorry. See, this is the time where my brain starts shutting off. You, <laughs> uh, okay. You said you can take as many photos as you want. I I kind of want to pose a question. um uh, Kind of like along the lines of, is the, is it more beneficial to take as many photos as you want or as least photos as possible? Now, what I mean by that is not go out and not take a photo. What I mean is you find something you want to take a photo of and you realize and you know that you don't need to take 100 photos of this Coca-Cola bottle. Instead, you could take maybe two,
1: two or three. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, and there's a book that I that I went through. i looking over what it's called. It's called Magnum Contact Sheet mm-hmm. that I read, um, and I've looked through it a couple times now to see how you know these great Magnum photographers did it, and that's how I kind of try to emulate is. Watching their contact seats, you know, it's really cool to be able to see their process. And I try to emulate this, like I said, um, by not taking, you know, not by sitting in the same exact spot, taking the same exact picture. You know, you get a little bit higher, a little bit lower, this angle, that angle. Um, But sometimes, like I said, the first picture is it. You know, I've had quite a few pictures that that come to mind right now. I've taken one picture and I know, I just have a feeling that that's a great picture before I even look at my camera. Mm-hmm. you know, before I even look at the, at the playback and, and see that it is, um, sometimes I don't and I, I play around and I see what's a good angle. And like I said, when I talk to people, I'll take a, a picture initially or two and then we talk for a few minutes and i if I can get another picture in before they have to go, then, no, then a lot of times that second or third picture, um, turns out to be better because I get, you know, i I've got a little bit more trust with them I found an angle that I like of their face, or you know whatever features is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So it it really depends on the scene. Um, you know sometimes when you're just doing street stuff, anticipation is everything. Yeah. So you might only have a second. You might only have a second to take a picture, and I say take take a take a bunch then. You know because when you're when you're doing when you're doing a you know portrait, you free you're freezing that moment. You're freezing that person for a second, mm-hmm. and you have time to control the situation. But when you're doing street scenes, you have no control over anything. Yeah. So you anticipate as best you can, try to take a, a good couple shots, move around, be agile, and uh, and just you know hope you come up with something good at the end of it.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I'm about to shock the world here. I'm going to ask you a question. And I want to see how many <laughs> people get this wrong. I'm actually going to put this in... Um, uh, there, there's like these interactive things you can put in your podcast now. So I'm going to put this in there. Who coined the term hey. The Decisive Moment?
1: Henry. Henry Carter. <laughs>
0: I, knew, I knew you were going to answer that. You probably did not know this, but he did not coin that term. He didn't even come up with the term. Really? Yes. It's the title of his book. It is the title of his book. And I learned this because if anyone's been listening to me speak before, I've been reading a lot of literature by photographers. And a book I just finished was a book of interviews that he had with whoever interviewed him. It's it's a really good book. I would suggest everybody read it. And he explains that photography was never important to him life and looking was important and he had he liked photography but it wasn't like it is to us it's just, it's really weird yeah you got to read it it's really inspiring and i think the inspiration comes where he just really enjoyed life and he used the camera, as most people say, as, as a sketchbook for life. And that's what his main thing, because he was like a painter and a drawer. And he loved those mediums more than he did photography. And he, when he, when he was creating the book, The Decisive Moment, he basically quoted something that he read from somebody saying that every moment in life has a decisive moment. So he quoted that, and he quoted the person who said it, and the person who was responsible for publishing the book actually coined the term, the decisive moment. (laughs) Really? I never knew that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't know that. So I just educated the world, and now there's a whole paradigm shift for everyone who's listening. Like, my whole life's been a lie. Henry Cartier-Bresson, what? (laughs) Yeah, like, when I read that, I was like, what? What just happened here?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I actually actually have one of the... Is the book you're talking about the mind's eye, or is it the the, the decisive moment that you're talking about?
0: So I also have the mind's eye. I'll get the book really fast one moment. Sorry.
1: I think I I heard it on one of your other shows, and that's why I, I started reading it. Uh, It's really good so far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't even know where
0: I put it. It's in somewhere. Oh, I found it. Uh, So this one is just interviews and conversations. I have to put it next to my face.
1: (laughs) Okay, I haven't seen that one.
0: Yeah. I found it in a little bookstore. I think Amazon sells it, and I was going to order it, but instead I ordered The Mind's Eye. The Mind's Eye is really good. It's very similar and some of the content in the mind's eye is in this one as well. So, you can mm-hmm. double. but this one has more and this one has pretty much the hearty Henry Cartier Bresson. So I'm sorry world. If I destroyed your, the decisive moment, <laughs> but
2: uh, you got to read. Him. You
0: got to read.
1: <laughs> Very interesting. I like that. Yeah.
0: There's so many other, I got some more books that I'm trying to get through and, I got to start doing it, but needless to say, he's still one of the best photographers of our lifetime, so not taking that away from him, but it's just so, so weird how, and he even, he goes on to say like, he never coined that phrase, but it just stuck to him and it wish he wishes Mm -hmm. it never did. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh man, I wish I had a phrase like that. That's—I mean—it's a brilliant one. It's, it really—you yeah. know—if you think about it while you're shooting, if you think about trying to find that moment or letting everything go and not thinking about it and just shooting, I don't know. You can go either way with it, I guess.
0: Yeah, most definitely. So, how would you say? Because he speaks about like a, a lot in that book as well, and he's saying how mm-hmm. it's like the perfect tool for him. So how would you say the Leica has become the perfect tool for you and your photography?
1: Oh, man. Um, So I became a Leica nerd shortly after I got my X100F. And I I said, like, you know, I really like 35 mil, the focal length. But then I wanted better quality and I wanted something that had that look and and i hate it and i totally hate the like a look business <laughs> but i know that when i shoot a different company can i say companies on here you can go go for it you can all right so answer. like if i if i it's all right. yeah friends so when i like i said when i first got home i got a different camera and i got a sony uh, a60 whatever 100 mm-hmm. 6300 or whatever and the look that came out of it was just boring as hell it was really boring I went to the Fuji and I really liked that. And then I went to get my Leica Q, which was my, my introduction, my gateway into the Leica world. And, um, that still to this day is one of my favorite cameras ever. I wish I still had it, but I sold it you know a couple of years ago to to fund some other things. And it was a perfect, it was perfect for me. Um, it always has been, it's been really, it's just, I love the look that it gives. I love the feel of them. I love, how it makes me feel while i'm shooting i think that's the biggest thing you know right now for commercial stuff i have like a sony 874 and it's fine and it takes beautiful pictures and you know really great autofocus and all that kind of stuff but it's boring it does everything for me it's not it doesn't give me that like joy that when i shoot with my leica uh it does um like currently i have a leica m10t which i'm actually trying to get rid of um and I just got a Q3, which is amazing. Mm. Um, that is, I'm, I'm seeing that that is, you know, something I can use for everyday portrait stuff, family stuff, and for commercial use. So that's why I'm trying to get rid of my like M10, but I've had the M10 for a couple of years and it's been my daily drive. It's been, you know, I don't even have to think about it. I know where to focus and, and everything and just the images that come out of it are, are gorgeous. And that's what makes me always go back to like I've tried Canon and Nikon and Fuji and everything um I haven't tried Hasselblad yet but going you know there's a simplicity and grace and you know well constructed body um I've having a Leica like, has just been like that's that's it for me I know that I've I've reached the top and that's and I'm happy with it yeah you know
2: huh
0: but how does it yeah yeah how did it, oh, man, what did I, I forgot how I asked it. Anyway, you answered the question. I'm going to go with that. If you All want right. to donate your M10P to the Lycus Street Photography Collective, I'll, <laughs> I'll send you a, a mailing address. Just, All uh, right, perfect. So some so crickets there. All right. So if you could go back to day <laughs> one when you were 15 and a photographer, we'll go with that. What advice would you give yourself?
1: I would say never stop. Good never make. stop shooting, Good advice. you know, because I did, I did stop shooting and I, and I lost my, you know, my passion for a while. Uh, Cause it wasn't a passion back then. It was just something that I wanted to try, you know, when you're 15, you're trying all kinds of different stuff and, whatever. But, um, I would say to just keep on shooting and I wonder how it would have changed the trajectory of my life. I never went to school for photography. I never took any classes in high school or in college for photography. And I think I would have done a lot more, uh, with it if I would have. Um, and I think I would have been, you know, even better now, it could be what I do full time instead of just a part-time thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I still say that that kind of thing to everybody now. You know, when I see a group of like college kids that are out on a photo walk in Baltimore, I'm just, I just <laughs> tell them the same thing: I say, I'm just never stop. Yeah, it's I've confusing.
0: I've been noticing everybody's a street photographer now. There's like massive crowds of <laughs> people doing photo walks, and it's it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just now mm-hmm. street photography <clears throat> has become such a popular genre. It Literally, is. everyone's a street photographer.
1: Everyone thinks they are, but I, I, I don't want to shit on anybody's parade. <laughs> but taking a taking a picture of just people walking down the street, you know, it, you it have to. There has to be some substance in there. There has to be something in there that makes it an interesting photograph. Yeah, one of the <clears throat> one of the things that I would say is take a picture that you're going to want to look at later.
0: That's a good one. Yeah. I just said that. Yeah. I don't, I don't I don't know how we got to well, I mean, because if you do look at a lot of the greats, uh there are many photographs where it's just people walking and it's cool, but it was a lot different than than it is now. Yeah. And what I mean by that was that was pretty much the emerging the emergence, the birth of street photography. So it was new, they were discovering all of that. And how to capture it. And how to share it. Now we know that it's there. And it exists. And what we are capable of doing. And what we can do. Which is pretty much the same. What is possible. All of that. Stuff. It's like you said. Try to find more meaningful moments. As I've also mentioned before. Many of times. And just try to make different photographs as opposed to how you said, just people walking on the street. Which, there's nothing wrong with. I've taken them from time to time and I still do. But I have no... Better
1: watch. Better watch. Okay. Yeah, I
0: do I. I don't share those kind of photos.
1: No. No, it's, it's, it's good practice and I think in, yeah. sometimes you get something interesting, but I think, you know, you get people walking you know if maybe there's the same colors going on in the scene and maybe there's you know just again there has to be something interesting happening
0: yeah i definitely agree so yeah we need to become better all of us students absolutely students until the end at least that's how i
1: see it always learning i see it too i'm I'm always a student and i love learning and, and seeing different ways to see you know yeah so
0: do hate to to do this, but uh I explained earlier, and if the world is not familiar, I literally just got off work and recorded with here. And my brain's starting to shut off, so I apologize, which is probably why there's a lot of delays on my end. So I'm going to ask a few more questions, and then we're going to wrap this up. But uh, this is kind of the time where, like, for your recommendations, you've probably been expecting this if you've heard some podcasts in the previous podcast so anyone you feel does not get the recognition they deserve yeah um
1: that's a really good question i have to i have to think back on and look at you know just give me one second let me think about that i mean the first person that comes to mind i think is, is craig just because i really really admire his work and i've learned i've learned a lot from that um So Craig Clark, if you have never heard of him, is a really great photographer and uh, he's a virtual friend. Um, I really like, there's a photographer I've been watching on Instagram a lot. His name's uh, Gregory Michael mm-hmm. and I, I'm not sure where, where he's at, you know, how much influence he has or anything, but he does some work in Venice that is unbelievable and that every time I see one of his pictures, I know that it's his and I just, I want to emulate that kind of work too. Beautiful. It's well exposed. The compositions are always incredible. There's always something interesting going on in every inch of the frame. Um, So I really, really like his work as well. Never talked to him, don't know him at all, but uh, I like his work.
0: All right. Anyone else?
1: No, I think that's all I can think of right now.
0: Okay. No worries. I will add their information to the show notes. And then the last question I always ask because of Craig Clark is, what does street photography mean to you?
1: Street photography, to me, it's the way I live my life now. My camera goes with me everywhere and I don't even have to be on the street to take a street photo. You know, I can be on the beach and maybe not hiking up the mountain. That's, that's a little bit much, but I think it's just a way of seeing things that makes it makes life more interesting and makes you stop and smell the roses, so to speak. You know, it really makes you see things that are happening all the time that are beautiful, that are interesting. Um, and sometimes these gorgeous compositions and amazing light all come together and then you can can capture it, you know, every once in a while you you can, if you have your camera out at the right moment, you can capture something amazing that, you'll want to look at and other people will want to look at it for years to come. So street photography is everything to me right now. It is my passion and something I love very much.
0: Nice. I like that. I think that's the first time I, I heard that it's your life now. So <laughs> that's awesome. It's always different. Every time I ask someone's, always different. It's never the same. So once again, thank yeah. you for sharing. And like I said, that's the last question I asked. However, now I'd like to give you the opportunity to ask me some questions and I will answer the best I can.
1: Yeah, I want to ask you maybe the same kind of question. What about what does street photography mean to you? Ooh. And uh, how do you go about shooting it? <laughs> all
0: right. uh, similar to you, it is very, very deep, deeply embedded into my life now as far as it's all I want to do when I'm not doing anything other than taking street photos but now I I don't really consider myself a street photographer anymore since I went to school to become a photojournalist so I mm-hmm. I would now say I'm a photojournalist which street photography is a subgenre of photojournalism it's stuff you learn in class whatever so I do take street photos but I'm, I'm now i'm trying to to do more than just that so while i do love the genre of street photography i i, I want to be known for more than that but it is i don't know it's changed my answer has changed cuz it is what i what i said it was in the beginning which is like a a way to share the unseen world with people who are unfamiliar with it. But now that I'm learning and I, I want to do more than just that, it's kind of like similar to how you said, it's like my everyday life, right? So mm-hmm. for me, I that's it's what I focus on to do. And I'm always trying to... Think of new ways, new concepts, even to the point where now I've shot so many of the same subject where it's recognizable before I even get to a moment where I think of considering to take that photo, that moment. I'm like, I've shot this a hundred times. I don't need another one. And (laughs) I've seen this a hundred times. I don't need another one. So... So now it's just kind of like more of a learning process for me, so yeah,
1: it sounds good it sounds like you're developing like I think all good photographers too
0: yeah i would I would say there was a lot of mentorship that I've been had reading plays a, another good part in it as well, so
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah me too, me too. What else you got for me? Um, what is one of the? What's the first thing when somebody asks you what's your favorite shot? What's the first shot that comes to mind that you've taken? Can you explain that? Like my my favorite that that whole process that uh, your favorite photo. Ooh,
0: so I have one. The person that comes. I have one favorite shot, and I took it about. Nine years ago. No, less than that. 2000... Anyways, I'll find a year and, and I'll get back to you on that Anyways, I took it when I was barely learning street photography. Not street photography. Ph- photography in general. And I didn't know what street photography was back then. I just had a camera and I loved to take pictures. There was this festival and it was just outside with my daughter... I was married at the time. So me and my daughter were walking around our neighborhood and they're just doing like this little dance festival that they do in Okinawa. And there's just this one guy, he's kind of like walking away. And I think I bokeh them. him. So the bokeh plays a a main part of the image too. (laughs) But he's kind of like, He's got a beer in his hand and he's walking away and trying to like drink it. It's like my favorite photo I ever took. And I I didn't know what street photography was then. It's just like, like, wow. Like I have the power to make these kind of images. So, Mm -hmm. So that is mine. I actually got a print of it, but it's in the other room, so.
1: I think not another question, but just another comment. It's like, I, I really like asking that question. I like being asked that question about Mm. being able to talk about the, the the process. And when you see an image you've taken, and when I see an image I've taken, you know, I get transported back to that moment and I can remember almost every image I've taken and I've taken tens of thousands of images, but I think that is one of the coolest and most, uh, rewarding parts about photography Mm. is just having all these awesome memories and being able to share them and uh you know other people can have their own take on it
0: yeah i definitely agree i can say for the most part i'm very similar to what you said like i can see an image and i'll remember where i was that at the moment where i took that photo so it kind of just like a little time machine back to that specific moment and I may not remember what settings I took on the camera, but I'll remember what camera (laughs) I used and where Mm -hmm. I was, the time of day and whatnot, and why I took that image. Then there's some shots where I got completely will I'll be honest, like 100% lucky pushing the shutter. Like, I don't even remember taking this photo. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
1: that happens too. Absolutely.
0: Like you're walking and yep. then you just take a picture. Something in your mind, probably subconsciously, is like, this is what you want to take a picture of. Take a picture of it. Mm-hmm. So because it's your subconscious, you don't have no recollection. recollection. Sorry, can't speak now. Recollection of it. And you just take it. And then you're going through your your photos, trying to archive whatever, however you do it, editing your process. And you're like, wait a minute. I don't remember taking this photo, but it's really
1: good. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had quite a few of those. too. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: You got one, what's the most memorable photo like that, that you took?
1: That's just a random one. Oh man. Um, I'm looking. Well, there's a, the, I have a bunch of pictures next to me. There's a picture in Cuba I took, and I don't remember taking it, but there's a picture of a boy, crossing his arms around his chest and I I I really don't remember taking it, but looking back on my, on my images, so he's crossing his arms around his chest with a, you know, busted up wall behind him Mm. and kind of splitting the walls, kind of splitting the the photo in half. And behind that on the the right side of the frame, there's these kids playing soccer and one of them's down on the ground with his arms up in the air and the other one above him. And it's just this really cool moment in time. I mean, Havana, Cuba is a photographer's dream. It's a paradise of, of, I mean, every, you could just snap anything and you get a beautiful picture of it pretty much. And, um, so I, I spent a lot of time photographing Havana when I was there and, uh, you know, so that's one that I don't remember taking at all. I don't remember seeing this boy or anything, but I took it. Yeah. I remember taking a picture of cars all the time, you know, while I was there. But I don't remember this this really cool image, my favorite one from mm-hmm. from my time in Cuba.
0: That's awesome. I can't remember mine off the top of the head. I would have to go back and look. But yeah, there yeah. was there was one because I can't remember them. So. There was one <laughs> photo I took. It was in London. I remember taking it. But what I don't remember were all the details that contributed to the photo. And the story behind that one is I was eating some lunch. I left this building. And as I was exiting, there was a kid right in the entrance way of the mall. He was playing with a yo yo. And I was mm. like, you got to take a picture of a kid playing with a yo yo. And. <laughs> So, I I stopped briefly and I took a picture. This is when I was kind of in my learning phases of street photography. So, I didn't really have enough time to, like, compose the shot properly or anything. But it's actually, it came out really good. Like, the kid centered, which is probably where he should be in this specific composition. But directly behind him was a bus, a city bus. And... Mm the layers of the bus matched the layers of the kid color-wise. So like the kid was wearing like a hat and it was black and then there's like a black bar and then the bus is red and the kid's wearing like a red t-shirt and then his like color of his pants <laughs> were black and like the color coordinations of the bus behind him matched exactly the same as the kid. And I didn't notice the bus had And when I took the photo but I was walking and I saw the kid playing with the yo-yo and yeah took the shot the rest was history
1: that's that's awesome I can see that I'm seeing it as you're saying I'm seeing it in my head yeah I'll find it uh, and I can share it with you yeah I love that I love that so I remember reading or hearing maybe on another podcast or something that Henry Henry, uh, Cartier his most famous picture is one That he had no idea he was taking. That he was like taking it through the the, um, like a fence or something, and he had no idea. He couldn't see what he was doing. And the man leaping over the water, and you know, with the shadow and everything. So there's another good example. Sometimes it's just
0: that's a just in the right spot. If if that's true about that photo, like that's my favorite photo of his, obviously for obvious reasons. But if that is true, just that is one hundred percent. Pure luck to get that exact moment, with not even being able to see it.
1: That's what I, I swear I heard about another podcast. No. So I don't know. I have to look look more into it, do some research. But I'm I'm pretty sure that he said that he had no idea. What he was
2: it,
0: it could be true. I mean, I just educated everybody's. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know the decisive Never moment. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now, now we got to change the, the term yeah right yeah you got any other questions? No, I think I'm good, Ricky. All right, perfect. well, once again, really, really thank you for taking the time. The conversation was great. I wish it could be longer. I do apologize, but I'm starting to to turn off over here. <laughs> so thank you to the listeners. Yeah. I do appreciate each and every one of you, first and last time listeners. I get that from my favorite podcast. It's probably like the only thing.
2: So mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. he inspired me to say it Either way uh, But it's true You know Because I get a, a new listener Every time Maybe And Thank you to you And Everybody have a great Rest of your day Chris Masmanian, Lycra Street Photography Collective Thank you so
2: much <laughs> <Rick>. <laughs> You're welcome <laughs> That was great